Well, as we uh, finish our series on spiritual warfare today, we will be learning about what I'm calling the secret weapon. Um, like the armor of God, this secret weapon can make us strong in the Lord. But more than that, the secret weapon is actually the primary pathway through which we engage in the war, in, in, in spiritual warfare. While the armor of God is mostly designed for defense, the secret weapon is mostly designed for offense. The secret weapon is prayer. As we begin to talk about prayer, I want to start with probably the most important thing I will say all day. Hopefully you don't get up and leave afterwards knowing that. Um, but this is something I have learned from experience, and here it is. You will never fully understand the quality of prayer until you increase the quantity of your prayers. You'll just never understand the quality of prayer until you increase the quantity of your prayers. I could recommend books on the why of prayer. I could spend a lot of time trying to explain in my own words why prayer works, how prayer changes things. To talk about why it's so important, I could tell you how my faith is increased as I see God answer prayers. I could tell stories about this, the most impactful Christians throughout histories and, and history and, and link the fact that all of them just about you will look and find out they had amazing prayer lives as the reason. I could make a case that vibrant prayer is what is missing in your life and try to convince you that, 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 that prayer will bring the power for living that you need. I could even teach you from Scripture about how to pray better. But I'm here to tell you that nothing is likely to get through to you until you simply learn to pray more. When it comes to prayer, quantity is the very thing that increases quality. I believe that is absolutely true. I'm telling you that you will never fully understand the why of prayer until you increase the how much of praying. The best way to discover the importance of prayer is simply to pray more. Friends, I didn't really understand this until possibly the last decade of my life. It took me almost four decades to figure this out. Don't be like me. Learn this now. Stop asking why, logical people, people like me, and just start praying more, a lot more. That's when you will begin to understand the power of prayer. Let's look at our text, and we'll start by reading through the entire passage that we've been studying together. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. Starting with verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, of the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Today we've arrived at, at that last verse of this passage, the one about prayer. You may notice in your Bible that some translators choose to start a new paragraph with verse 18 about prayer. But understand that's an editorial decision, not something that was communicated in the original text. Perhaps because of that decision, that editorial decision, uh, many lessons about the armor of God uh, will not include verse 18. Sermons often don't include it. Uh, and many times it gets kind of pushed off to something else. And I think that's a huge mistake. Prayer is the slam-bang conclusion to Paul's admonition to be strong and wear armor. This is clear because of the connecting word with in our translation, which can also be translated as through or by or because of. With all prayer and petition means prayer and petition goes with being strong and wearing armor. The point is that this command to pray at all times is clearly a continuation of Paul's teaching on spiritual warfare. Verse 10 tells us, be strong in the Lord. And the rest of the passage tells us precisely how to develop our strength in Him. I think Paul is actually giving us a two-step process for strength training here. How can we become strong in the strength of the Lord's might? One, by wearing armor. And two, by praying always. Notice also that this prayer part sort of wraps up the armor part. Scripture here is saying, wear armor with prayer. Wear armor through prayer. Wear armor because of prayer, or possibly even the best interpretation might be this. Wear armor so that you can pray powerfully. See, these things go together like a football player's protective gear and the game itself. A football player doesn't put on all his pads and helmet for nothing. He puts it on so that he can safely play the game. Similarly, a soldier does not armor up only to retreat or, or spectate. But instead, he puts on that armor so that he can fight for himself, for his fellow soldiers, for his cause, for his commander, for his homeland, for his family. We've been talking about putting on God's armor in order to get ready for the war. But I want you to understand that prayer is where the war is fought. After all, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our battles take place in the spiritual realm. As I've said, the armor is mostly defensive, and each piece is designed to defend against specific kinds of attack, spiritual attack. Even the sword of the Spirit is mostly defensive, pictured in this context as a tool for parrying the blows of the enemy, just as Jesus used it to fend off his attacks, particularly when it came to temptation. But is there anything here in this passage designed for offense? Do we not have a way to take it to the enemy? 
to advance rather than always waiting for the battle to come to us. Yes, we do. You and I engage in the battle when we engage in prayer. Prayer is how the army of God advances. Without prayer, we're an insignificant, cornered, hamstrung, besieged little band of soldiers depending too much upon defensive strategies. Without prayer, we may still offer up some manner of fortress-like defense, but we will be powerless to move forward and make a real difference in the war. Without widespread deployment of the secret weapon that God has given us, known as prayer, the Christian army looks more like a recalcitrant remnant of whiners than a formidable force of winners. You can tweet that if you want. But when God's people pray, everything can change. Let's focus on verse 18. Paul writes, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Some say the best defense is a good offense. Having played high school basketball, I've never entirely agreed with that statement. What I would say is that the best defense in the world is not enough. God does expect his army to move forward, to be on the offense, to advance. This morning we're going to talk about how to do that by unpacking this verse. For this message, I simply work through verse 18 one phrase at a time. First, our text says, with all prayer and petition pray. That's not just an editorial word that got put in there for no reason. It's in the original language, and it means something. All prayer. The action here is to pray. But even in this first phrase of the passage, we're given some part of the how-to. Why does Paul use the word all? Why doesn't he just say with prayer and petition pray? The idea is that there are many types of prayer and that we need to pray all kinds of prayers in all kinds of ways if we want our offensive efforts to be strong. That's what is meant here by the word all. Some translations even say all kinds of or all types of prayer. So what all kinds of prayer are there? Let's just briefly run through what I would say are the five major categories of prayer. Someone might think of of others, but the idea is to give you the picture that we are being encouraged to pray in every way that we can. The first category of prayer I would mention is praise. To praise God is to declare His greatness. This is not so much about what God has done as it is about who He is. I remember an old song that communicated the idea of praise so well. Some of you remember Sandy Patty. Remember her singing uh, this song, uh, Lord, I praise you because of who you are, not just for all the mighty things that you have done. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. You're the only reason I need to voice my praise because of who you are. Even if God had never sent his son, he would be worthy of our praise. He is our creator. He is holy, perfect, and just. There are not enough words in the English language to express the praise that is due Yahweh, our God. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The eternal source of all goodness. He is worthy of our praise. Another thing about praise is that it's probably the best place to start most of your prayers. In fact, this is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. In the model prayer, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. If you're serious about learning to pray better, make note of this. Praise is always a great place to begin. Secondly, the Bible instructs us to pray prayers of thanksgiving or gratitude. Thanksgiving. This is where we start to think about what God has done and to offer our gratitude to Him. 
not just to the air or just to be thankful, but to actually offer it to him and to thank him. It's just a little bit of thought. Most of us could spend a lot of time on this type of prayer. It isn't that hard to pray prayers of thanksgiving. Three-year-olds can pray these kinds of prayers. If you honestly can't think of anything to thank God for, I encourage you to see a Christian counselor. I mean, that's, and that's not really a joke. Without gratitude, people cannot survive. When you can't think of what else to pray, spend some time giving thanks. Thank God for personal things and general things. The same God who made the moon so that there would be tides, which keep our, water from, keep our, our oceans from stagnating, also takes care of our children. In truth, we have more to be thankful for than there is time to express it. Thanksgiving is a very important type of prayer. And if you learn to do it regularly, it will completely change your attitude. Take the time. Say the words. Thank God. By the way, the devil just hates this kind of prayer. He'll come against you to try to shut you up. So make sure you have your armor on before you hit your knees. The third category of prayer that I want to point out is this, intercession. Intercession. By this I mean asking on behalf of others. To intercede is to mediate, to advocate, to make requests of God for the sake of another person or group of people. We pray for a family member with a medical condition or, or, or for relief to come to earthquake victims in, in Mexico or, or wildfire victims in California. We pray to, for a friend to, to find a job. We pray for our leaders and our government officials to lead well. Personally, I've found the power in this type of praying only in recent years, if I'm honest. For a long time, I sort of counted on my wife <laughs> in this area, which of course just robbed me of what God wanted to do in my own life. But she's always been good at this. Uh, she's a prayer warrior. She prays for others constantly, long lists. But in recent years, I, I too have found out what I was missing. There's nothing faith-building like praying for someone regularly and seeing God answer that prayer over time or even like that. Nothing builds your faith like that. When it comes to intercession, Remember what I said about praying more. Uh, you'll never understand the full quality of prayer until you increase the quantity of your prayers. So go ahead and make long lists. When somebody you hear about something, write it down and start praying through it every day. And over time, when you can start putting check boxes. I have those green check, I use my phone, so you know those green check box icons? My prayer list has about, I don't know, I should count them, I bet there's 200 over the last couple years, major prayers that have been answered. It is hard work. It requires discipline, you know. It doesn't just sort of roll off your tongue without thinking about it or having a list. So intercession, There's, it, it'll change your, your life. It'll change your prayer life. It'll change your life. The fourth category of prayer is petition. Petition. By this, I mean praying for yourself. Uh, we ask for, for patience. Dangerous prayer. Not really. God loves you. He's not capricious. Ask for patience. Ask for providence. We ask for spiritual discernment or, or wisdom. We ask for help with a test in school or the financial resources to make it through the month. And we even ask for the chance to share Christ with a friend. 
Don't be afraid to pray for yourself. The one area where you're supposed to be at least partially self-seeking is in your prayers. Yes, you really are commanded to pray for yourself. James 4, 7 says, you have not because you ask not. What are you missing out on? Because you have not asked God for it. You need to keep on asking even while you trust God with whatever his answer may be. Also, when it comes to this area, I encourage you to pray before the crisis, not just after, you know. Don't let your petitions be only in reactionary form. Ask ahead of time. Ask for abundant blessings and the favor of God. Don't just wait to ask for help paying an unexpected bill. One prayer I learned to pray very early is the prayer for wisdom. James 1.5 says if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Don't wait till you needed wisdom. You already messed up. Keep Ask every day. Petition God on the front end. I just want you in trouble. The last category of prayer I would point out today is confession. Confession is agreeing with God about your sin. Well, Satan will use any way you can, he can to stop you from confessing your sin because he knows that unconfessed sin will keep you uh, from properly relating to God. Even though all of your sin is already paid for on the cross, there's now no condemnation if you've trusted in Christ. When you do sin, you still need to admit that to God. You need to offer up a new commitment to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Why do you need to do this? Why do you need to confess sin that's already forgiven? Well, because while God is not actually holding that sin against you, it's already on the cross, you will wind up holding it against him if you do not confess it. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, every time you try to pray any other kind of prayer, all you'll be able to see is that sin standing there blocking your view. Why? Because God made you a person of conscience. And also because the devil will use unconfessed sin to make you feel guilty and unworthy. Unconfessed sin gives Satan a foothold for condemnation, even though in truth you're already forgiven. Unconfessed sin will ultimately keep you from wanting to be in the presence of God, which means you won't want to pray. And what does that mean really? It means you just became a soldier on the sidelines, right where the devil wants to keep you. You need to confess that sin and leave it at the cross so that you can get back on task with God. You should probably think of confession like brushing your teeth. If you skip a day, there starts to be a buildup of scum. You can play that clip for your kids if you want. Um, but I encourage you to make confession a regular part of your prayer life. If you aren't sure what to confess, pray what David prayed. Search, prayed, search me, O God, and, and see if there be any unclean thing in me. God will show you if there's something you need to confess. It's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in your life, to convict you of sin. By the way, when he does that, be thankful because it means he cares. <clears throat> cares about you. Our text says, with all prayer, meaning all types of prayer, we are to pray. If you use the five categories as a guide that I just gave you, you might find out you have more to pray about than you thought. Now, what else can we learn from this first phrase of our text? With all prayer and petition, pray. Let's look briefly at the, at the original Greek for each of these major words. The first word for prayer used here is prosuke, defined in the Greek lexicon as prayer, defined as communication addressed to God. It's important to notice that within this word, prayer, the audience is also communicated. We are admonished here to pray to God, not to anyone or anything else. We're not being called to speak something into thin air or to name it and claim it. 
uh, not really even to speak directly to our spiritual enemy, but rather we're called to pray to God. I think that's important to notice since this is one of the most famous passages on spiritual warfare in the Bible and as such has been abused by some who seem to want to elevate their own sort of spiritual uh, authority as if they themselves were attacking Satan or his forces by their own speech. Now, the concept of prayer here is actually restricted to communication with God. I suppose there's a time to state the truth to the enemy. We talked about that some with the sword of the spirit. But if you find yourself talking to the devil more than you're talking to God, there's a big problem. People who are always ordering the devil around would likely be much better off asking God to put him in his place rather than trying to do it themselves. Take note that in this most famous passage of spiritual warfare, we are told to address our prayers to God. This understanding is communicated by the original word used for prayer here, prosuke, prayers to God. What about the second word translated here as petition? Let's look again at the Greek lexicon. The word is deasis. Need, indigence, want, privation, a seeking, asking, entreating, entreaty to God or to man. Here's an example where I actually like, prefer the good old, King James Version, uh, because it uses the word supplication. Of course, that word has fallen out of use, but some of you may still hold it in your unused vocabulary vault, and you know that what this really means is to beg, to supplicate oneself, to get down on one's knees and beg. More than a petition, a request, supplication is really about pleading with fervor out of a great sense of need. I'm convinced that most of the time, most people don't get to this point in prayer. And if you ever did, some of you received what you asked for and some of you didn't. God is God. We are not. But right now, the point is that we are going to, if we are going to advance into enemy territory, if we're going to be on offense, we need to come to God with deasis, which means begging and pleading and seeking and entreating. We are at war. People are dying. People are going to hell. Lives are at stake. Eternity is at stake. When God's kingdom advances, Satan's kingdom retreats. When God's plan to heal and save moves forward, Satan's plan to kill and destroy is thwarted. Ultimately, we know God wins. But what about today? What about this generation? What kind of soldier are you now? What kind of army are we here today? Our weapon of offense is prayer, and we need prayer that matches the circumstances. We need this, the kind of prayer that's prayed from underneath a pile of rubble or beside hospital beds. Prayers from a heart of desperation and need. Prayers begging God to act. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face. You know that passage, most of you. Supplication. That's what the scripture calls for here. Prayer to find us petition or better, this, this seeking God with all of our hearts. Knowing only the acts of God can save us from these evil days. And ultimately that only God can save us from ourselves. Look back at verse 18. 
as we move forward. This verse is like a telegraph from Command Central, telling us how to advance into enemy territory. It functions like a military command directive from God. So, what else does our commander say? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Surely that's hyperbole, right? I mean, nobody can pray at all times. Honestly, I don't know whether this is literally possible, but clearly it's a great goal. And it would be really awesome to find out. So what does God want us to get out of this, really? He wants us to understand that prayer is not just what you do for 10 or 20 minutes, you know, uh, in the morning or at church when the pastor says, let's pray. Prayer should be a constant conversation with God throughout your day. I honestly think this idea of praying at all times was not particularly challenging to the original audience. They didn't have the distractions we have. Think about it this way. What if God said, text, email, and monitor your social media accounts at all times? Okay, see? Some of us would be like, hey, I'm already doing that. If you can be texting, emailing, and monitoring social media basically at all times, why does it sound so impossible that you would pray at all times? Well, maybe the problem is we just can't do both. There's probably more than one point in there somewhere. But the truth is that with a little concentration, you can bring God into just about anything. Maybe you're filling out a purchase order at, at your place of business, or you're cleaning up after a patient, or you're waiting tables at a restaurant, or, or writing lesson plans for your students, or you're, praying, uh, you're, you're, you're playing with your grandchildren at, at a park. Can you bring prayer into those things? I say you can. Just takes practice. If you're looking for an easy verse to memorize, you might start with 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the entirety of which says, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Folks, that's a three-word verse. Every person in this room now has at least one Bible verse memorized. This is growth. This is discipleship. It's good stuff. Pray without ceasing. Boom. It's kind of hard to get around that one, too. It's a command, after all. And after dissecting the Greek, amazingly, it still says pray without ceasing. There's no, no cutting anything out of this. We see this concept throughout the Bible. Focused, intense, solitary prayer is important, but equally important is a kind of prayer that is an ongoing conversation with God. Now, how important is this kind of prayer in terms of spiritual warfare, the context of our passage? How do you handle the attacks of the enemy when you're already in contact with God, as opposed to how you handle those attacks having left God back in the living room or even back at church the last time you were there? What if the forces of darkness were to give up trying to find a time when you aren't in prayer? More than that, if you're constantly in prayer, you'll be on the offense for God everywhere you go. Which means making a difference and living on purpose. Let's move on to the next phrase in our text. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, there are three things we need to understand here, and I'll be brief on these. First, in the Spirit always means in the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, the version of Scripture I'm using capitalizes the word spirit here, but many translations don't. They should. 
This is not an admonition to pray so-called spiritual prayers, whatever that would mean, but to pray by the power of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We all know how the terms spiritual and spirituality are being used in our culture today. This is just another one of Satan's schemes. Sometimes the way we have begun to think of spirituality keeps us from even reading our Bible correctly. Current thinking puts the emphasis on our own spirit so that um, we might think of a verse like this as encouragement to engage our spiritual side or something like that. But the Bible teaches that without the indwelling presence of God's spirit, our own spirit is completely dead. Only inasmuch as your spirit is taken up with the spirit of God may you pray in the spirit. So understand that praying in the spirit doesn't mean trying to pray more spiritually. But it means partnering with the Holy Spirit in your prayers. This brings up the second point. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. Such a wonderful truth. Isn't it the very idea that I can pray in or through the Holy Spirit is very encouraging. I don't know about you, but I do not always know what to say. I have trouble coming up with stuff sometimes, the right stuff to say. I can question my own prayers, overanalyze. You know, what if I mess up and offend God? What if I do something like in the old joke about the genie in the bottle where the man has three wishes, you know, and he asks for two things that don't turn out well, so he has to use the third wish just to fix what it got all screwed up from the first two wishes. You know, what if my prayers turn out like that? Well, you know what? I really don't need to worry about that because the Holy Spirit helps me with my prayers. He acts in, as an interpreter between me and God. The Bible says it this way, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's one of my favorite verses of Scripture right there. To pray in the Spirit means employing the help of the Holy Spirit, which is one of his roles. It's praying in partnership with him, knowing that he is basically fixing your prayers. And third, to pray in the Spirit means to submit to God's will. We just read Romans 8, 26, but let's also take a look at the very next verse. Right after the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the groanings too deep for words, the Bible says, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints, not according to their will, but according to the will of God. He intercedes for us according to the will of God. So you mean praying isn't ultimately about me getting what I want? That's right. Praying in the Spirit means your prayers are seeking after God's heart and His will and His plan, which is always better than yours anyway, if not in the short term, definitely in the long term. Does this mean I don't ask for what I want? No. It means you pray with an attitude of surrender, just like Jesus in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And as you learn to pray in the Holy Spirit, he will guide you and even help you to learn to pray the right things in the first place. Praying in the Spirit means submitting to God's will through your prayers. Now let's go back to our main text and see what's next. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. And with this in view... Be on the alert. First question a Bible student ought to be asking here is this. What are we supposed to keep in view so that we'll be motivated to be on the alert? 
What is Paul referring back to here? Well, you might be surprised. We've been talking about this for several weeks. We've taken some time to study and discuss a passage that's really only a few sentences long. If you trace it back, you will find that the first thing Paul really could be referring to here to keep in view is verse 12. Everything in between is a single admonition about putting on the armor of God, all of which points back to understand the nature of our enemy. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. With this in view, boy, you better be on the alert. With the fact that our struggle is not against flesh and blood in view, with the fact that the devil is scheming against us in view, with the fact that we're called to be strong and stand firm against his attacks and his schemes in view, and generally with the fact that we're engaged in spiritual warfare in view, be on the alert. How does this apply to prayer? Well, has anyone else ever prayed half asleep? <laughs> does anyone else usually pray half asleep? Has anyone else ever prayed half-hearted prayers, half-meant prayers, even half-prayed prayers? We can do better. How can we do better? By keeping the war in view. We need to keep the seriousness of our struggle at the front of our minds. We're involved in a war for souls and a war for the redemption of the universe. Our prayers advance the redemptive efforts of the kingdom of God and thwart the destructive efforts of the kingdom of darkness. Prayer is our primary offense against Satan to force back his efforts to kill, steal, and destroy. Prayer is how we fight back against his deception, against his, uh, his temptation, his condemnation, his discouragement, his doubts, and all of his dark efforts against God. Keeping all of this in view, we must be on the alert in our prayers. What else can we learn from our text? Going on, it says, with all prayer and petition, pray with all perseverance. Consistently, almost any time you find a substantial passage of Scripture on prayer, you're going to also see the idea of perseverance nearby. There's a biblical marriage between prayer and perseverance. I'm not making that up. It's, it's true. Prayer without perseverance is like spirituality without the Holy Spirit. This is, it's at best incomplete. I have another message I'll preach to you someday called Persistent Prayer Pays. For me personally, it's one of the most meaningful sermons God has ever given me, ever. I've seen the power of persistent prayer in my life. And there's no other way to get that power than by persistence. We tend to think, yeah, I mean, I asked. I asked once, so why should I need to keep on asking? I mean, it's like God forgot I mean, really, why should we keep on praying the same thing over and over, like every day, for, for months, maybe years? That's a fair question. Why would God want you to be okay with delayed gratification and to keep on asking in your prayer life? The answer gets to the point of prayer. Is prayer a mechanism for creatures getting what they want out of the Creator? Is that all it is? What if your children were to think uh, the only reason to communicate with you is to get what they want? Some of you are thinking, well, that's pretty much the case. <laughs> well, then, no offense intended, but maybe you need to do something differently in that relationship. 
What if you give your children every single thing they ask for right when they ask? What kind of relationship will there be if you become like a gumball machine to your children? Put in the coins, get the candy. You don't want to be a gumball machine to your children. And God doesn't want to be that to us either. Besides, God knows your needs already. Newsflash, God can read your mind. What's the point of prayer then? The point of prayer is in the relationship that takes place through communication. The point of prayer is the submission and worship that happens when you lower yourself to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The point of prayer is that in, in, in praying you recognize who God is and who you are. He's all-powerful. You're not. He's independent. You're dependent upon Him. Would you really get that if God always gave you what you wanted the first time you asked? Now, if prayer is about your relationship with God, what good are prayers that are one and done? Not much. See, God wants you to keep coming back. Why? Because He wants you to keep coming back. It's like the woman who accidentally leaves her purse in the car of a man she's interested in. Or the single guy who keeps getting another cup of coffee, not because he wants it, but because a certain someone's desk is right there near the coffee pot. When we want to see someone, we keep going back. God wants us to keep coming back. He wants us to be persistent in our prayers because prayer is about our relationship with Him. Let's look at the last line of our text. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus and now us that spiritual warfare is a team sport. <laughs> in the Bible, the word saints is always a reference to all believers everywhere. The true church of Jesus Christ. And here we're told to persevere in our prayers for this church to pray for the believers here, there, and all around the world. This should make us think about the global church. There's so many good things that happen in our lives when we pray, when we're diligent to pray for saints everywhere in the world, not to mention what God does in response to our prayers. I hope you remembered to pray for Randy and Paula this week as they're on mission in Asia, as we sent them out a couple weeks ago as, as extensions of our church. I hope you remember to pray for them. Selfishly, I hope you pray for my daughter. <clears throat> Keep it together a full-time missionary in Mexico. <clears throat> and I hope you pray for me and for each other. And by the way, a short note on your communication card will land you on our prayer team. You can go on offense. It means you can become a prayer warrior in this church by simply agreeing to pray for requests that will come to you through an email each week. Lauren is doing a great job leading our prayer ministry. She handles it so well. Let us know if you'd be one of our prayers. We need more. Pray for each other. Pray for the saints. Hey, humbling, how humbling it is to know that God has made the advance of his kingdom dependent upon the prayers of his people. Oh, my. I believe his sovereignty makes room for that. I really do. I think we matter. What we do matters. He made it that way. I would imagine that some of us struggle with the point of prayer. I've been there. Doesn't God know everything? Isn't God in control anyway? Doesn't God have a plan with or without my prayers? Those questions keep some people from praying, but I'll tell you what I have experienced. When I pray more, 
I see more people saved. When I pray more, God's kingdom advances, makes a bigger difference. When I pray more, I grow more. When I pray more, life starts to crackle with excitement, and I start making an impact, and good stuff happens. In fact, when I pray more, I live more. Or as the great 19th century preacher D.L. Moody put it, he who kneels the most stands the best. I'll sum up this series of messages with three simple challenges from the text that we've studied in Ephesians 6. Owning up to these challenges will change your life. Be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Pray always. Let's pray right now. Father, you're so good. Your plans are good. You know everything that's best. You're sovereign. You are in control. You work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You take care of so much. Forgive us for taking you for granted. That the God of the universe who created it all, who, who breathed the stars out of his mouth, would care enough to want me to come and pray and to just talk to him and that I would not have time. Mind-boggling. Help us understand your love for us to be drawn to your presence, to be diligent to pray and to see our lives and the world around us change because of it. Help us grow in this as a church. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.